0: Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag.
1: I suppose it would be very appropriate to allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts. What am I putting my trust in? My finances, my position, my career, my job, my... You fill in the blank. If whatever you fill in that blank with is anything other than Jesus Christ. You're going down. You're going down.
0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. Trusting Jesus isn't just a nice thing to do. It determines all the days of your life. As Pastor J.D. teaches today, that decision is one to make every day and hold on to that priority. In his study, you'll discover the pitfalls of misplaced trust when placed in the wrong path, ultimately a path of destruction. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor JD in Isaiah chapter 27 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: Here's the point of the parable. The one who built his house on the rock was the one who who not only heard the word, but was a doer of the word. That's the only difference between these two builders. The other guy, he heard the same word, but he walked away, like James says, being merely a hearer of the word, not a doer of the word and he did not put into practice apply the Word of God to his life, and that was the only difference, and it made that much of a difference. So the question becomes this, upon which foundation have I built my Christian life? I'll tell you, when the storms of life, the trials of life hit, you had better be on the rock. Otherwise you're going down. You know how it is here in Hawaii whenever they have the hurricane warnings and everybody's out there getting the board, the plywood of boarding up their windows? Prior, preparing. Once that storm hits, it's too late. You know, yeah. Just real quick, I, I might just share the Reader's Digest version. You younger people have no idea what a Reader's Digest version is. With us, all right, it's the abbreviated version. When our daughter Noelle died, we were grounded in the Word of God. In fact, just yesterday we uh, had um, my wife's cousin over for dinner. We were just talking story and uh, he was sharing about this uh, other couple that had a trisomy 18 child like us. And uh, it was a boy, he died, just like our daughter Noel. And they ended up splitting up. And it was just... Statistically, what we were told that couples who experience the death of a child, it's something like 95 plus percent of them end up in a divorce, because the grief is so intense. The, The strength of that kind of storm is so strong, and if you're not on the rock, you're going down. And it's too late. Once you're going through that, Once you're in the midst of that, it's too late to board up the windows, as it were. You had better have built that house upon the foundation of Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. Because there were times where, I mean, the pain is so deep. There are no words, but you're on the rock. When we lived on the mainland... Uh, we would go to Cannon Beach, Oregon. And there was a Christian conference center there. They would bring in speakers and my wife and I would go and stay in the, uh, on the campus there in these uh, cottages <laughs> there on the ocean in Oregon, Cannon Beach. And they have uh, what is known as haystack rock it's this big massive rock, and depending on the tide, it's just a little bit offshore in the water. And I'm sitting there one day, and we would go there often, sometimes on a yearly basis, and I would always just sit there on the beach and look at haystack rock. And sometimes the waves were crashing in, and high tide, and you know surf's up. Nobody's surfing, but the waves are crashing up against this rock. And I would take a closer look, and upon closer examination, I would see these birds on this rock, and they're just oblivious to the crashing waves below. Why? Because they're just praising their Creator. They're on the rock. Pfft. Waves, shmaves. <laughs> I don't care. I'm on the rock. Bring it. Winds, high winds. You know, hurricane force. I'm on the rock. You think this rock's going to move? It ain't going anywhere. I'm on the rock. That's the foundation upon which I have built my Christian life. I think about what the Apostle Paul said in the book of Acts. Nothing moves me. He could say that too, by the way. I mean, here's the guy, you want to talk about a, He, <laughs> All the shipwrecks, all the beatings. That guy went through so much. I, I, I thought about this the other day. and I know I'm kind of going way off. I'll bring it back. Just don't worry. But I was just thinking about what he must have looked like. No, can you imagine how bus up he was? The scars alone how many times he had been beaten. I wonder if he just looked hideous. I wonder when people would see Paul, they would wince like, oh, dude. Not that anybody called him dude, but I mean his face probably was just scarred from all the beatings. I'm sure his body. I mean, this is—they didn't have hip transplants, knee transplants, and all the other things that you know we have today. He probably walked with a limp. He probably looked hideous, bearing the scars. Certainly, his back—all the times that he was whipped. I think about. Just that one account of him outside of Lystra, when they stoned him and left him for dead. You understand what stoning is, right? It's not like, whoa, you got stoned. No, it's not like that. They threw boulders and rocks at him, and that's what they would do until they were dead. And that's what they did to him. I wonder what his body looked like, having bore the brunt of all of those rocks that were thrown at him. But he didn't go down. He didn't go down. When he writes to Timothy, he knows he's about to go home to be with the Lord. And he says to Timothy, he says, my days are numbered, (laughs) but it's good because I've fought the fight the good fight of the faith. I've I've run the race, I finished the race, and it's time, and I'm ready. <laughs> Boy, am I ready. This was a man who was on the rock. Verse 17 also, now keep in mind we're dealing with Israel who had in effect built their hopes on this faulty foundation. And now the prophecy is, I will make justice the measuring line. Oh, you don't want the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone as your foundation to measure everything else? I'll make justice the measuring line then, and righteousness the plummet. Now here's the storm. Here comes the storm. The hail will sweep away the refuge of lies, and the waters will overflow the hiding place. Your covenant with death will be annulled, and your agreement with Sheol will not stand. When the overflowing scourge passes through, then you will be trampled down by it, As often as it goes out, it will take you. For morning by morning it will pass over, and by day and by night it will be a terror, just to understand the report. For, and this is interesting, verse 20, the bed is too short to stretch out on, and the covering so narrow. One cannot wrap himself in it. You know that expression, you made your bed, now lie in it. It's kind of what's happening here. And oh, by the way, that bed that you made, that foundation that you built, that trust that you put in the world, Egypt, by the way, a type of the world, they had put their trust in Egypt to protect them against the Assyrians and so God's saying, okay, fine. Uh, you're going to come up short. You're going to get short sheeted. That's <laughs> basically, in other words, you're going to lie down in this bed. How's that working out for you? Uh, <laughs> it's too short. Oh, and, and, and by the way, the, 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 the comforter, the bedspread, the blanket that you're going to cover yourself in, It's the size of a diaper, baby. (laughs) It won't cover you. You know, kind of like those blankets they give you on airplanes. What am I going to do with this? I'm talking about, you know, people like myself that are on the larger side of things, and six feet tall and shrinking. People ask me, how tall are you? By the way, online I know I look short. I'm not short. I'm getting short, but I'm not short. I'm six feet tall. And uh, it's an optical illusion because of the angle of the camera and the, the height of the pulpit. It's so funny when people come and visit online members from the mainland or all over the world. And they, they, I almost without exception, they say to me, first thing they say to me is, you're taller in person. I'm like, what, what do I look like? Anyway, I digress. back to our bible study already in progress. <laughs> Isaiah is saying that whatever we do in our own efforts, our own strength to shore up or hedge against the coming storms will be to no avail. Will come up short. It will not stand. We will fall. We put our trust in the world. I suppose it would be very appropriate to allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts. What am I putting my trust in? My finances, my position, my career, my job, my, you fill in the blank. If whatever you fill in that blank With is anything other than Jesus Christ. You're going down. You're going down. For the Lord, verse 21, will rise up at Mount Pirazim. He will be angry as in the valley of Gibeon, that he may do his work, his awesome work, and bring to pass his act, his unusual act. You know what they're saying here? Hey, no, that's not going to happen. God's going to come through like He did for David, like He did for Gideon. He's going to come through and do His work and deliver us. What are you talking about? Verse 22, Now therefore, do not be mockers, lest your bonds be made strong, For I have heard from the Lord God of hosts a destruction determined even upon the whole earth. The unpopular, and that's an understatement by the way, (laughs) the unpopular message warning that God has declared disaster upon the world. Oh, you're so doom and gloom. That's not going to happen. They've been saying that. God's not. No, come on. Oh, really? No, it will. God said it will. And it will. Nah, come on. No, you come on. (laughs) It will happen. God determined it. What did God determine? Destruction. It will happen. You know, it's kind of like Isaiah is telling them that if they don't stop mocking and start listening to God's Word, it will be to their own peril. And never imagine that God takes delight in it. God wants nothing more than to prevent it, which is why we even have this in our Bibles it was a warning to them. Turn back. Come to the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Repent. This this path you're on, it leads to death. It's a covenant with death. Nah, they didn't believe it. Now we're good. We're strong. we got the Egyptians. Okay. God never forces Himself on us. Give ear, verse 23, and hear my voice, listen, and hear my speech. Does the plowman keep plowing all day to sow? Does he keep turning his soil and breaking the clods? When he has leveled its surface, does he not sow the black cumin and scatter the cumin? Plant the wheat in rows, the barley in the appointed place, and the spelt in its place. For he instructs him in right judgment. His God teaches him. For the black cumin, verse 27, is not threshed with a threshing sledge, nor is a cartwheel rolled over the cumin. But the black cumin is beaten out with a stick. And the cumin with a rod. Verse 28. Bread flour must be ground. Therefore, he does not thresh it forever, break it with his car wheel, or crush it with his horsemen. This also comes from the Lord of hosts who, oh, is wonderful in counsel and excellent in guidance. What's this saying? Well, it's very poetic, and it's this comparison of God's work to a farmer's work in skillfully discerning and deciding when to plow, when to plant, when to level the ground, when to not. In other words, God's work in our lives, in the lives of His people, is always perfect when it comes to the different tools He uses at different times. He's very measured. And the way that God deals with His people, because He loves us so much, He won't keep crushing (laughs) He won't keep plowing. He won't keep breaking. He knows, as we often say, quoting 1st Corinthians ten thirteen. you know how when somebody comes up to you, you're going through a trial, and they'll just say, you know, with that big smile, you know, God won't give you more than you can handle. <laughs> do you warm up to them when they do that? Because, you know, they're not the ones going through it. I know that, by the way. So cliche. It's true. (laughs) He knows where that point is. And it's different for everybody. And (laughs) if we had our way, we would say, you know, like when you're getting a spanking as a child and you're sort of over, you probably didn't do this. I did this all the time. I mean, I would scream like I was being murdered. And they would stop, holding. Oh, you know. No, you can take more. <laughs> you can handle more. And so, especially my dad, whew, uh, I think I still have the scars, speaking of the Apostle Paul in a different way. But God knows where that point is. And He will never try us or tempt us above that which we are able to bear, but will always provide a way of escape in and through that trial, that temptation, so that we can bear up under it. I think you would agree, and I'll close with this, but those painful trials in your life, while you would never want to go through that again, you would never trade what God did, you, did in your life through that trial, would you? The work He did in you the things He taught to you. I'm just thinking of Romans 8, 29, because it's the verse after Romans eight twenty eight. For we know that God works all things together for the good to them, that love and calm according to His Word. We all know that, right? But what is God's purpose? To make us more like Jesus? So how's He going to do it? Through the trial, the testing, the furnace of affliction, as Isaiah says. Because He needs to make us more compassionate. How are we going to learn to be more compassionate like Jesus? Well, we have to go through something. And so then when we get through it, and we see someone going through it, we have more compassion on them, because we ourselves went through that. And God got us through that. I think about what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians about comforting one another with the comfort that God comforted you with when you were going through it. I'll tell you, in, the, in my life I, I have learned to be kinder to people because of what God taught me in my life. I've, I've learned to be more gentle. I know I've got a long ways to go, but I'm learning to be more gentle. More compassionate, more patient. It's a hard one. It's that one where you say, God, teach me patience and teach me now. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> you want to learn patience? I I remember that prayer long ago. This is the last thing. God make me a man of prayer. To which the Lord said, you sure you want me to do that? Yeah. Make me a man of prayer. Okay. I'm going to give you two boys. (laughs) That'll bring you to your knees. (laughs) I'll teach you how to pray. (laughs) Lord, make me patient. Teach me patience. Okay. You sure? Yeah. All right. You're in traffic. You're learning patience, aren't you? You prayed, you asked, you said, make me patient. There you go. It's an answer to the prayer. But God is measured in the way that he deals with his
0: people. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. If you think that the gospel is only in our first four books of the New Testament, you'll quickly learn through this book of Isaiah The the Gospels mentioned throughout. It must have been interesting for Isaiah to write the things he did in the course of his life. He was a prophet used by God who lived while several kings of Judah reigned. From their outright wicked behavior to a king like Hezekiah, Isaiah experienced the people living in rebellion and then turning toward God, realizing their need for him. God used Isaiah in a mighty way to influence these kings and to speak to them about what was yet to come. God can use you in the place you're at today as well. It may not seem as influential or powerful of a position, but God has you right where he wants you, to use you in the place you are. Are you involved in a local church? If not, we invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. for Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can get directions at our website, calvarychapelkaniohe.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in to spend this time with us. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for our next edition as we learn more valuable things from this interesting book of Isaiah, right here on In Spirit and Truth.